Father, there are people here that are listening on video, listening on a webcast, listening in a home and listening here live that have made some really bad decisions in their life and are still paying for them right now. But today you're going to bring hope to this building. You're going to speak hope. God, the biggest consequence we have faced as a human race is the decision that was made thousands of years ago when a person decided to li listen to the devil itself and just decided to go above and beyond what God has prescribed and the boundaries that God has put on their lives. And Lord, this world, this planet is paying for that today. But thank you that we found hope in the midst of a bad decision thousands of years ago. The hope came in the form of the Son of God himself that would die on the cross for us. And there are people that are in this place that see no way out. They see no light at the end of a tunnel. But I pray, Lord God, today is going to be a different day. Somehow, hope is going to rise up inside of their hearts today. Something's going to happen. I believe, God, as your word goes forth, let your word, oh God, not return void today. Let the word of God be powerful. This was your promise. If we preach your word, it wouldn't return void. And if we lift up Jesus, you'll draw men. That was your promise. So we have made a decision here at this church. We're going to lift up Jesus, so draw men. We'll preach your word, so don't let it return void. No one will leave here untouched by the word of God today. That word can bring men a couple steps closer or all the way in, but we're believing. No void place. But God, your work to take place in everyone's heart today. And God, what we're asking for is just simply this. That when men and women leave this place, they're not going to say, what great music, what a great choir. They're not going to say, what great preaching and what a great church. They're going to say, what a great God they serve. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll let you decide the validity of the article. I've read it some 10, 15 years ago. And because of the culture that we live in, some people are trying to disprove this, but I have a sneaky suspicion that God has a way of sneaking up on our culture and making himself known. Because it happened in Greenbelt, Maryland, almost two decades ago, as in their lab, they would do calculations on all of our satellites that we would send into space. And, all, and those calculations were important because they had to go backwards and forwards to make sure that when we send up, when we send up our satellites or any, and any, whether it was a, um, a moon launch, whatever that would be, they wanted to make sure that because of the orbits of planets, they're making sure that we weren't running into anything up there. And they wanted to be careful about that. Well, over two decades ago, there was a calculation that was made, and literally they said at Greenbelt, Maryland, in the lab, that the computers came to a halt. And it said when they went backwards and when they went forwards, literally a red light went on and said when we we're making our calculations, determining by the days and months and years from backwards to forwards, we wanted to make sure that we understood where all the calculations were going, whatever we sent up into outer space, we found out that our computers could no longer calculate because they said, the computer said there is a day missing in history that they didn't know what to do with. And some genius at the lab said, I grew up in Sunday school. And I found out that all the way back in the book of Joshua, I remember the story where God intervened in a battle and made the sun stand still. And I just decided, and I said, and, he, and this is what they proposed. Let's go back as close as we can, readjust the calculations, and see if that's the missing day. And sure enough, the calculations all came back, and the missing day was God's fault over 5,000 years ago when God made the sun stand still. 
Once again, it's not science disproving the Bible. It's science confirming what God has already done thousands of years ago. And even one of the greatest minds that has been in human history, Albert Einstein, said this. He said, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. And I truly believe that what I want to do today is I want to bring hope. And I want to take you to that very story today. Because I have to tell you this story backwards. Because everyone in this place, if you would join with me, would understand what it's like. How many would say, I've made some bad decisions in my life? Would you go ahead and raise your hand? And if you didn't, that's a really bad decision. So now you could put your hand up right now. And I want to show you the context of this miracle. Because some people are in a place that they would think, I've done this and I have to pay for this. I'm all by myself and God just leaves me to myself. But I want to show you the context that this is a miracle from a really good guy who made a really bad mistake and God intervened in the mistake and the really bad decision. In fact, the consequences went on for hundreds of years. And I'm praying today that we're going to find hope. As I was praying for you today, I'm believing hope is going to come to that home group, to that home fellowship that is meeting, those that are watching on, at the Jersey Church. I'm believing for those that are right here, you're going to find hope before you leave this place today. So let me tell Joshua's story backwards. I want to read from the book of Joshua, but I want to start with it backwards. Because it was one of the greatest, he's considered one of the greatest Jewish generals to ever have lived in the history of, of Israel. And when you read Joshua, there's not a blotch on his record except for this one bad decision which coincides with the son having to stand still. In fact, let me tell you that story. In fact, the miracle day, this is what the Bible says about that miracle day, Times Square Church. Let me read it to you in Joshua chapter 10 verse 14. There has never been a day before and there's never been a day since when the Lord stopped the sun all because of the prayer of one man. Think of that. The Bible says there was never a day like this when God literally intervened in his creation. Not only do we read that, we begin to go, how did that happen? And I have to just give you quickly the who, what, and why for just a moment. Really, the what was the miracle is basically God gave them more daylight so they can win a battle. God literally intervened in his creation, stopped the sun, stops the moon so they can have more daylight to de defeat an enemy that they didn't realize that was going to become an enemy, which is the who, which is a group called the Amorites that weren't even on the radar. And now they're having to fight a group of people that they didn't think they were ever going to fight. But I'll explain that part later. But it's the why behind the miracle is that what blew me away as I was reading the book of Joshua. Because Joshua chapter 10 is a miracle. Listen to me close now. It is a miracle because of a bad decision Joshua made. It's not a miracle because God was going, I'm blessing all these battles, which he did. He says, but it's a miracle because you really, really blew it when you made a decision all the way back in Joshua chapter 9. It was all because Joshua decided something and all of a sudden his life and he thought even the history of Israel was going to be messed up. Let me tell you the story really quickly. Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
He has got them right to the edge of the promised land, passes the baton to Joshua and says, I'm not allowed to go any further, but you're going to have to take them in. Joshua takes the baton, and that's where we get the book of Joshua from. He steps in to the Jordan River and is about to face his first battle, which is the story of the city with the giant wall that we call Jericho. The wall comes down, they go in, and all of a sudden, they get on a roll and are defeating everybody. God's hand is upon the children of Israel. They're about to take over the promised land, and all of a sudden, as, as word started going out on how they were defeating everybody, there was a very, very cunning group of people called the Gibeonites that said, if we don't come up with a plan, these guys are about to beat us. And all of a sudden, some guys came up with a plan that said, let's try to defeat them and let's see if we can begin to go ahead and trick them and let them believe that we are from a faraway country and that we just want to be in alliance with them when actually they were around the corner. Let me read to you the story from a paraphrased version. Joshua chapter 9 tells the story. Joshua chapter 10 tells the miracle. Listen to this. The people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai and looked up and began to cook up a ruse. This is a paraphrase. They posed as travelers, their donkeys loaded with patch sacks, mended wineskins, threadbare sandals on their feet, tattered clothes on their body, and dry crust of bread. Did you see what these guys went through? They got a bunch of old clothes, went to the secondhand shop, sewed on a bunch of patches, let bread get really crusty and old. They got the oldest pair of shoes to make them think that they came from many, many, many miles outside of Canaan and were just coming to build an alliance. The Bible says they came to Joshua Gilgal, spoke to the men of Israel. We've come here from a far country. Make a covenant with us. What did Joshua do? Now here's the part I want you to listen to today. And then we're going to really dive in to be practical and unpack what this means to us. What did Joshua do? Listen to these words. Joshua 9, 14. The men of Israel looked them over, accepted the evidence. Here it is but they did not ask God about it. Listen to this. So Joshua made a peace, peace with them, formalized it with a covenant to guarantee their lives. The leaders and the congregation swore by it. Does, that, does those words echo inside of you? But they didn't ask God about it. Think of the decision that they were about to make. A covenant they were about to walk into and all of a sudden, a giant decision, never ask God about it. I want you to get something just to jot down some thoughts. You could do it on your phone, your iPad, in your Bible. And I want to give you some big rocks here. Because when I read this story, I know that there's some really bad decisions I've made in my life. And some of us have made such bad decisions that consequences, while you're sitting here, are still being paid for today. And I want to help you through this today, not only when there are consequences, but I also want to help you not to find yourself in that position ever again. Number one, jot this down. There is a danger when you leave God out of your decision making. There is a huge danger when you leave God out and you decide just to make the decisions all by yourself. In Joshua's case, it was who he was to get connected to and walk for a long time. That's why, listen to me, single people, listen to me. Before, before you get married, get God's advice on the situation before you make a covenant with somebody. But he's so good looking. There has to be more than good looks. 
because you're going to wake up the next morning and the looks will be gone. So you have to understand that it's not simply, I feel good. We need God's word. We need God's mind on the decisions that we're about to make. And we need to pause here because what we're basically saying is this. If we were to pray and involve God, think of how much we would save ourselves and pain we would save ourselves if we just involved God in the decision. First Baptist Dallas pastor W.A. Criswell said it this way. We go further on our knees than by any other way. There are a thousand mistakes we make that would never have been made if we would have just took the time to pray. There are hasty decisions we follow after, hot and intemperate remarks we make, false goals we pursue, and lost souls that we never win, all because we didn't stop and just pray first. My goodness, I've been there, I've done that, that all of a sudden I've examined the evidence, but I never asked God about the situation. And that's why Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, God invites us, 5 and 6, invites us to ask God's counsel. Listen to these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your what? Own understanding. Here it is. In what? All your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's such a great word. When he says the words in all your ways, Solomon chooses a word which literally means not a main highway. He says it's a word that was used for little goat paths that were made there from the hoofs of goats. And he says not even on the giant decisions, but even on the little things. Just ask God. He is inviting you to ask his opinion on things. If Joshua just paused and said, let's see what God says about this decision here. Let me, let me just say something about this for just a few moments. Get this down. Here's what I've learned. Fast feet are very dangerous. Fast feet are very dangerous. Listen to me close. Here are some important words that even Solomon says. From, from, the, from the Good News translation, he says in Proverbs 19.2, a person in a hurry will always make mistakes. A person in a hurry will always make mistakes. What do you mean, Pastor Tim, fast feet are dangerous? When making a decision and there is an uncomfortable deadline, the answer is no if you have nothing from the Lord. Those who rush into something usually make a mistake with what Solomon says. Always get this. When you're called to make a rush decision, it's usually a rash decision. And that's why when, we, when people tell you we need a decision immediately, we need to know if you're going to do this, if you're going to do this, you're going to buy this house, you're going to buy this car. Always remember this. I'm unable to do that and I have to decline because I'm unable to wait, which basically says this. If you're being rushed today, then the only place you need to rush to is not into a decision, but into the presence of God to get God's mind upon a situation. That's where, that's where, that's where Joshua missed it. He missed that, and his fast feet all of a sudden brought him into a place that he want, didn't want to be. Joshua makes a covenant with the people that he never should have made. And this is so important. What do you do, Pastor Tim, when you begin to find yourself in that? Because another name for covenant, even for us today, could be a contract. Not even just a piece of paper. It's something that binds us, whether it's by our name, by handshake. Whether it's simply by us giving our word from our name and our character. Any one of us. And here's what I've learned. Number two, jot this down. Prayerless decisions will add more battles that could have been avoided. Prayerless decisions. Prayerless decisions will add battles that you probably never would have had to fight if you just would have prayed in the first place. If you just would have asked God, if I just would have asked God, there are decisions that I have made without God 
that brought an additional set of battles that I wish never would have came, but I had to fight them because, and that's exactly what happened with Joshua. When you make a covenant, the end, their enemies become your enemies. Their assets become your assets. Their liabilities become your liabilities. And all of a sudden it becomes us together. What did this covenant mean to Joshua? It meant that the Gibeonite battles would also become Israel battles that day. Israel was on a, on a tear to go through the Canaan land. And all of a sudden it got put off course by a decision that they never prayed about. And not only did Joshua have to fight the battles that God prescribed, but he also had to fight the Gibeonite battles because of their mistakes and the lifestyle that they lived. And all of a sudden, what seemed to be one set of battles now began to grow and you find yourself being pulled aside in every situation and in every direction. Listen to what happens. It didn't even take a dozen verses when Joshua said, we'll make a covenant. All of a sudden, he finds out these people live around the corner. They don't live far away. This is all, this was all a lie. And here's what happens. In less than 12 verses, their battles have to become Joshua's because he made a covenant. Listen to this. Joshua chapter 10, verse 6. The men of Gibeon hurried, hurriedly sent messengers to Joshua. Come and help us, your servants, they demanded. Come quickly and save us. For the kings of the Amorites, who is never going to have to fight in, in the Canaan land, who live in the hills, are here with their armies. So Joshua and Israel army had to leave Gilgal and begin to go rescue Gibeon. Joshua now had to fight their battles because of a prayerless decision. Now bear with me, because there's some good news coming. Joshua had a choice here. Think about it. Do you honor the covenant that you made even under deceptive terms? Because I have to believe that Joshua was thinking, do I honor this or do I cry foul because you lied to me? And I'm wondering if this was a mindset that Joshua was going to. Do I have to do this because you didn't tell me the whole truth about you? You get married and don't realize that they snore. You get married and you didn't tell me you don't pick up your clothes and you don't do dishes. You got married and you didn't tell me that we're not sharing bank accounts and you got your account and I got my account and that's my money because I earned it. You didn't tell me. So my question is this, can you break the, Can you break it when you find out they have six kids in New Jersey? And the question is, when you find out the information prior to making the covenant, can you get out? And I have to believe that's the question Joshua is even asking. On the way to going after the Amorites thinking, if I just would have prayed, do I have to, God, do I really have to do this? Because it came under false pretenses. They didn't tell me the truth. And all of a sudden I made a covenant, but do I still have to keep that covenant? So let me just tell you something. People will look for a loophole on anything. They will try to find. I, this exactly happened. Doing a marital counseling situation. Upset wife. Real sheepish husband. And he just looked. And he, she just all of a sudden started off. She goes, tell him. Tell him what happened. And all of a sudden he goes, all right. We're walking in the mall. A pretty lady walked by and I looked at her. And my wife said, Jesus said that if you have lust in your heart, that's like adultery. And now she wants a divorce. I said, oh, I said, hold on one second here. I said, I think somebody has bigger issues than what just happened in the mall. Because everybody, anybody could look for a loophole on anything. 
I was reading the story that was sent to me of a man that was doing so good on his diet because the problem with him was every time he went to work, he went right by that bakery where the smell was amazing every single morning. You know what I'm talking about. You're going right by it. He smelled it every day. So what he did so he can begin to make sure that he is going to keep his diet, he changed his direction going to work every single day. And then one morning, just out of habit, he went by the bakery, smelled the pastries, and thought to himself, and this is what he said, when I drove by it, he wrote this down, he says, Lord, this is no accident. (laughs) Jesus, it's up to you. Here's his prayer he wrote in his journal. If you want me to have any of those delicious items, create a parking place directly in front of the bakery for me. And then he said, and sure enough, the eighth time around the block, there was the parking place. You can find a loophole for anything. And I can see Joshua going, look at this, calling the Jewish lawyers. Hey, look at this. Can we get out of this Gibeonite covenant? They didn't tell us the truth. See, you give God the opportunity to do something miraculous with the bad decision when you keep your word. You give God the opportunity. Listen, when you honor the covenant that you want out of, and you honor it, you give God the opportunity to do something miraculous with a bad decision. The miracle, listen to me close. Some of you need to hear this. The miracle was not getting him out of the covenant. The miracle was God showing up in the bad decision that he made. That's what was about to happen in Joshua chapter 10. The Gibeonites deceived and Joshua didn't pray and Joshua stayed and God showed up because he knew that integrity was important. His word was important. It's like David Jeremiah, the Baptist preacher from San Diego said this, integrity is keeping a commitment even after the circumstances have changed. It's not me looking for a way. You lied. You didn't say this. I'm out of this thing. Joshua honors what God honors, and that is covenant. He fights for these people, wins the battle with the Amorites on that miracle day. I remember a verse that Pastor Carter used to talk to me about from Psalm 15. He says, this word is so important to me. This verse is so important to me. And it says this in Psalm 15, 4, you keep your word even when it costs you. That's what Joshua chapter 10 is. It's not trying to get out of something. It's not getting out of a marriage. It's not getting out of this thing. It's not getting out of this commitment. Or my, my circumstances changed at my job, so I'm not going to go ahead and pay this. I'm not going to pay this bill. I'm not going to pay this thing. And all of a sudden, you're trying to get out of something. And God goes, you don't need to get out. You just need to get me in the situation that you're going through right now. Can, can, I want to give you, just in the last few minutes, my personal revelation on this story. What I thought that God spoke to me about a bad decision that I've made. So just pause for a second. Here's what God does. Joshua goes to battle, is about to lose the extra battle, and prays. And I'm thinking, you should have did that in Joshua chapter 9. But he knew how to pray in the battle. That's kind of what Greg was talking about. People will just start calling upon Jesus, usually when the consequences start, not to get wisdom before the consequences happen. And so he prays in 10 when he should have prayed in 9. And God didn't go, because I would have gone, I would have simply just been mean and just simply said, well, you should have did that before. Good luck for you, Joshua. But God didn't do that. 
because God's not like us. And God goes, I wish you would have done it here, but I am going to honor it because you kept your word and I am going to show up here. And this is where, this is where you have to realize God's not like you and God's not like me. Thank God we're not God. He finally prays when he should have prayed in chapter nine, decides to pray in chapter 10. And this is what God does. He makes the sun stand still. Okay. Let me help you on this for just a moment. The sun is the largest and most massive object in the entire universe. Okay. Stay with me for a second. The sun is the largest and the most massive object in the universe. Okay, how big, Pastor Tim? The diameter going across the circle of the sun is 864,000 miles, which means you can line up 109 planet Earths to go across the entire sun. 109 of our planets go across the sun. Listen to this. The circumference of the sun is 2.7 million miles, which means it's so massive, you can throw in 1.3 million planet Earths to fill up the big ball called the sun. And that sun begins, you ready for this? Is always moving at 43,000 miles per hour. Okay, not a trick question. How many would say that's pretty big? Just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Four of you. Okay, stay with me now. Here's what I think God did. God says, you made a bad decision, Joshua. You made a bad covenant. You didn't pray, Pastor Tim. You should have prayed about this. And I think God shows up and says in this story, I can take the largest and most massive object in the entire universe and make it do whatever I want it to do so I am able to make all things work together for good. Do you know what God was saying? Because look like this. You don't understand my boss. He's a big man. Bigger than the sun? My husband's a big dummy, bigger than the sun. I've got big debt, bigger than the sun. My kids have big problems, bigger than the sun. You don't want to counsel with me when you come in and go, I don't think I can make it through this marriage. And I'm going to look at you and go, he made the sun stand still. I think I got to get out of this debt. So I don't, I'm going ahead and I'm going to claim bankruptcy. He made the sun stand still. If you're sitting here today and going like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out of Christianity because the battles are too big. He made the sun stand still. I don't think I can make it here in New York City. It's too tough. He made the sun stand still. I don't think I can do this anymore. He made the sun stand still. Tell me your problem, and I'm going to tell you about a Jesus who made the sun stand still. There are some here, and listen, you're about to get a divorce from a covenant that God goes, you didn't even invite me in. 
You drove down the Jersey Turnpike, saw some stupid lawyer advertisement. I can get you out of a covenant for $300. And you didn't even realize you never got God into the covenant. And God says you didn't pray before, but this is a good time to start praying. That you're not going to become one of those other people that your kids are going to have to see your husband on the weekends. Because I can take somebody who's a big atheist, a big agnostic, and a big and all the other other junk, and I can turn the thing. Why? He made the sun stand still. Some of you are like, why are you angry? I don't know. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. He can make the sun stand. Even if you pray too late, he can make the sun stand still. He wouldn't get his big body out of bed, but God can make the sun stand still. I'm here all by myself. He can make the sun stand still. I can't make it financially. He can make the sun stand still. You didn't pray before. Pray now and invite God into a bad decision and say, I can't do this by myself anymore. And if you would just show me mercy, because nobody else, everybody yells at me about Joshua chapter 9, but I needed Jesus to show up in Joshua chapter 10. Let me close and tell you two things. The end of the story The history of the Gibeonites is pretty amazing. Joshua was so upset with these people. You know what he does in Joshua chapter 9? These people come from an idolatrous nation. And this is what he says. Listen to Joshua 9.27. He says, you know what you're going to do? You're going to cut wood and bring water to the temple. He just tells him, he says, you're not even going anywhere. Your whole people are going to be drawing water and cutting wood. And you're going to do it for the temple. And you're going to know this is what we do for God. Because Joshua was upset. And those words in 927 seem pretty angry words. He just goes, you're not even going home. Cut wood and bring water. And you know what's amazing? Bible historians tell us something incredible. That the longer that the Gibeonites were cutting wood and drawing water, what was amazing was Joshua's mistake, because he invited God into the mistake, started to turn the hearts of these people Hundreds of years later, you ready for this? This is incredible. After the Babylonian captivity and after the destruction of the temple, do you know who the next group of people to replace the Levites to start doing all of the work in the temple and became a God-fearing people? The Gibeonites. Hundreds of years later, what you thought was going to be a problem, God goes, hang on. If I can make the sun stand still, I can take an idolatrous people and I can make them God worshipers with everything that's going on in their life. Pastor Tim, I don't want to make this mistake. I don't want you to either. But let me just say this. Making a good decision so you don't have to manage a Gibeonite decision is really important. Can I just say these three things to you really quickly? Number one, in every decision you have to make, one, start with prayer. Two, does the Bible speak to the issue? And three, did I get wisdom from the people that have more journey and are wiser and smarter than I am? I need wisdom from people that are not my cheerleaders going, you go, you go, boy. I don't need all that. (laughs) Greatest words I've heard in this last month, I told the men yesterday at the men's ministry and in, in... North Jersey, was this. I need people in my life, listen, 
that can know me and not just know me. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? I need people that can know and owe me and not just K-N-O-W me. I have to have people that go, no, don't do that. No, that's a right decision. I don't need you going like, you're the man. You, you, ooh. I don't need all that. I don't need you to do that. That doesn't help me. I need people that can know me and go, that's dumb. That's stupid. <gasps> yes. I start with prayer. I go to the word to see if the word speaks to this. Man, I'm not really sure if I should tithe to the church. Man, I, let me pray about it. Go to the word of God. Let's see if it's there. And then you're going to come to somebody. They're going to go, no, it's not right. You are supposed to give. God wants that. God wants in, in any decision. Start with prayer. Go to the word and go to wise people in your life. It's so much better to pray in Joshua 9 than to pray in Joshua 10. But if you have to pray in Joshua 10, here's the joy. God shows up. It's so much better to get wisdom in 9. But man, if I need a miracle, God doesn't go. You blew it. You're on your own. God's mercy is amazing for us. As we close, um, it goes through different seasons. Where's Greg? Thank you for singing the song that you sang today. I, there's two songs right now in my life that make me cry. There's just two songs. The first one is the Star Spangled Banner. I don't know what it is. I cry every time. Star, I could be at a Yankee game. I could be anywhere. If they start singing. It's on TV. I could, I'll start crying. I mean, I'll just go and like, thank you, God, for their country. I mean, I cry at every national anthem. Not, I mean, the Star Spangled Banner. Not like all the nation's national anthems. America. So I'm a wreck during the Olympics. Every time we win something, I'm going, oh, USA. I just, it, it just gets me. Second song is I Can Only Imagine. I cry every time I hear that song. Just something in me. And you know what, you know what I started even crying about today? I'm going, there are people that are sitting here that are listening to my voice and sitting in the sanctuary that can't imagine that day. You can't. It just doesn't. Well, we're going surrounded by your glory. Well, will my heart feel? Will I bow before you, Jesus? Or just in moments, will I dance? Will I be quiet? When I think about that day that I get to see Jesus, my heart is just... But some of you don't even have that imagination because you don't understand how much God loves you. Even in the bad decisions you've made. Can I just say this to you? Listen to me close. The greatest decision you made today was to show up at church. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Maybe some friend. Listen. I'm speaking to Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday people. Maybe some friend sent you this and just kind of shared it with you on, your, on a text. And you're, on a, you're jogging right now. You're on an elliptical. You're at the gym right now. You're driving. You're stuck in the Lincoln Tunnel listening to me. But let me just tell you this. You are doing the right thing. And I want to tell you that you've made a right decision just to listen, just to pause, and just to go. Because you can't imagine that day. And that's why I want to just say this to you as we close. Listen to these words as Greg comes and plays that song. But don't play it loud or I'm not going to make it through. <laughs> okay, listen. Thousands of years ago, the story is told of another son, another bad decision. 
and how somebody kept the covenant even though everybody else was, was messed up. It wasn't a constellation, but it was actually the son of God himself. The bad decision started all the way back in the book of Genesis and has gone throughout like a thread throughout, a huma throughout humanity. It's called sin. And God begins to tell us today, listen to me close. The reason why we don't understand or can imagine heaven because we don't think God would even answer us or love us even in Joshua chapter 10. I didn't do what was right in chapter 9 and I'm living so much junk in chapter 10 of my life. Would God even show up? This is what makes God so amazing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, while we were sinners, enemies of God, he died for us and kept the covenant with God himself. Folks, look at me for a second. He didn't say when they became good, when they, became, when they got off their habits, when they really came to church. He didn't say that. He said in your worst possible condition, God loved us enough to die for us and to keep a covenant with God. That literally, God stood still for those hours while his son died on the cross for you and for me. The sun stood still for you today. Pastor Tim, why can't I imagine heaven? Why doesn't that day become an assurance for me? Why can't I know today? Or how can I know today? That if this life was over just like that. If a hurricane Florence can be take out and just come and take out people's lives. What? How can I know today? How can I imagine that day that I get to stand before him? What would you say? What would you say? God, I'm a good person. That's good, but that's not the way Jesus said you get to my house. I've been going to church. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. But that doesn't get you to heaven. It got you in the building, but it doesn't get you there. Because you could be sitting here and still not imagine that day. I haven't heard anybody. Man, please continue on with that. But that still doesn't get you to heaven. I was confirmed. I took my first communion. I was water baptized. Those are all great things, but that's not the directions to God's house. The person that knows the best way to his own house is Jesus himself. And Jesus said it like this. Listen to me. These are Jesus's words. These are Jesus's words. You cannot lie. Jesus said this. John 3, 3. Unless a man or woman is born again. He can never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus, it's not Times Square Church, but I'm a Protestant, I'm a Catholic, I'm Jewish, I'm a Muslim. Those are great, great, great. That doesn't get you there. Listen to me close. There will be no Protestants in heaven. There will be no Catholics in heaven. There will be no Muslims in heaven and there'll be no Jew, Jew, people who follow the Jewish faith in heaven. It'll be only born again people in heaven because those are the directions to his house. Listen, folks, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said that, not us. If you have a problem, then take it up with Jesus. This is, I'm just repeating what he said. No man can go to the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Pastor Tim, what does that mean? Listen now, listen close. As sure as you have a birth date, a first birth date, you have to have a second birth date. I was born on December 22nd, 1963. 
but there has to be a second birthday. That's called being born again. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? How does, how does that take place? Listen close now, because this is, okay, look at me, every button here, cameras, everything. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Because if you're here today going, are you going to heaven? I hope so. Oh man, it's too long to hope so. Are you going to heaven? I think so. Man, I want you to imagine that day and today can be your second birth date. The sun stood still for you. If you're here and you go, well, I'm a Christian, then amen. Sun stands still for you. But for you that are here and going, how does it happen, Pastor Tim? It's as simple as A, B, C, A. I admit I'm a sinner. There's something broken inside of me that I can't fix with a priest, a pastor, a promise, or a program. Only God can fix it from the inside out. It's called sin. None of us were born a floor model. All of us needed assembly required. How many know that's true? Every one of us were broken inside. And it's admitting that the problem is called sin. It's sin. How do I, how do I fix that, Pastor Tim? It's B. A, admit. B, believe that Jesus died in my place. That sin debt had to be paid for God, but I couldn't pay it. But God loved me so much because I didn't take care of the right things in Joshua 9. Joshua 10 says, God still showed up out of his mercy and said, listen, I'm going to pay the debt for you. So here, listen to me close. So how do I, how do I go ahead? If he just died, then, then I'm good. No, 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 no. You have to RSVP for the party. He died for the entire human race, but you have to RSVP him. You have to say, I want to go to that party. I want to be part of heaven. I want to go to that place that I don't know if I'm going to dance. I don't know if I'm going to fall. I don't know if I'll speak. I don't know if my mouth will be shut, but I'm going to imagine that day because, and you need to know today that if I made that decision, then all of a sudden I have my second birthday today. I can be born again today. A, B, A, admit, B, believe, C, confess him as Lord saying, you're the boss now. There'll be things that God will veto and things that God will say, don't do that. Watch out for this. Do this. The church will try to tell you. Religion will try to tell you. If you want to be a Christian, you got to stop this and do this. That's not Christianity. Christianity, when he is Lord of your life, you don't have to get good and then come to Jesus. When I stop this, I'm going to become a Christian. You come to Jesus with all your junk, with all your baggage, with everything that's going, with all your Joshua 9 problems. Don't let anybody ever tell you. Don't let anybody ever tell you, once you stop this, you're going to know you're going to heaven. Then what they've done is they've added to the scripture. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. He didn't say, stop this, continue this, do this, because I can't do it without the Holy Spirit in my life. I need just simply to believe, confess him as Lord and say, God, I'm starting the journey today. I want you to bow your head with me, please. Today, the sun stands still for you. S-O-N. Today can be your second birthday. Born again. Not a Times Square church word. Not a Protestant or a Catholic word. Not a religious word. It is a Jesus word. And I'm telling you, before you leave this place today, you can know that if I was to die today, I get to go to heaven. Can I just say this? A bad decision is just to walk out of here and not settle this decision today that I want to be born again. You're going to have a whole bunch of consequences. Pastor Carter said it the best when he says, it is great growing old with Christ in your life. Can I just tell you, growing old without God is a real rough path. 
It really is. And, and I, I have to tell you, you can walk out of here and not be born again and call upon him at any point of your life. That's the mercy of God. He didn't go like you had your chance. He's amazing. But today, I'm trying to save years. I'm trying to save pain and tears. Today, you could be born again. Balcony, annex, watching online, sitting in this main floor. I want to pray a born again prayer. I want to invite you to pray that born again prayer. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want today to be my second birthday. My second birthday. Today, I'm making that decision to be born again. I'm making it all over the sanctuary. Annex, watching online, 600 home fellowship groups. Listen to me close. Today, I am going to imagine that I'm going to be before him. I know today because I was born again today. I did what Jesus said, and now I'm born again. If that's you, and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to start. Today's going to be my second birthday. Without any hesitation, if that's you, balcony, main floor, annex, with every head bowed, let me ask you this. If that's you, hold up your hand as fast as you can right now. Say, put me in that prayer. I want to be part of that. Hold it up high. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Balcony, keep them up. Keep them up. Every hand that's up. Here's what I want you to do. If your hand is up, do me this favor right now. Stand quickly to your feet. Balcony, main floor, quickly. Stand to your feet because I'm going to get ready to pray with you quickly. You're going to have people that are going to cheer for you right now. Come on, wherever you're at, if you're standing, quickly, quickly. Okay, listen, this is important. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And if that's you, do me this favor. You got a whole bunch of people going to cheer you. They're going to be the kindest people. If that's you, balcony, you got to do this for me. I want you to get out of your seat and come right here. I want to pray for you quickly, as fast as you can. Come on now. Let them go. Tap them on the shoulder going, great decision, great decision. Our ushers will help you. Annex, our ushers will lead you. I want to pray. What a great decision you're making today. Come on, quickly. Quickly, you come. Hey, as they're coming, can you clap for them and just be excited what God's getting ready to do? Come on, this is a special day. This is going to be a good day. I'm excited. I'm excited. Quickly, let them come. Stand, stand with them as they come. Come on, stand to your feet, and we're going to pray with them right now. As these are coming to be born again, I'm so excited that you're here today to be born again. Greatest decision of your life. How many of you here are coming down and going like, I've had a lot of bad consequences. I've made a lot of bad decisions before. Okay, look at me now. You're about to make the best decision of your life today. And that's why we're so excited. We have some more coming, and we're going to wait for them to come. This is so exciting for me today. Because this is that day. Okay, this is, let me just, I want to just tell you one thing. Many of us have made a lot of bad decisions, those chapter nine decisions, but you are making the greatest decision of your life today. You really are. And here's what's amazing. Some of you are still paying for those decisions, but I want to tell you this. When you step into that brand new second birth, you don't go by yourself. God goes with you. The Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. We're all going to join with you. I want us to pray this prayer together. This is our RSVP saying, I want to be in heaven. I want to be born again. Can we all say this together? Come on, let's say it with these at the soldiers. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, 
and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Right now? What is that about? You don't know? Oh, perfect. Okay, look at me. Some of you are going like, what does that mean? Okay, let me tell you what I want you to do. Your next step is I want you to go after this, get coffee. You're going to have people high-five you, so excited for the decision. But here's your next decision. You ready for this? Your next decision is this. I want you to come back at 1 o'clock it is the, we have a small setting right here in the sanctuary. There's no music or anything. It literally is just going to be you and a few hundred people. And the next class is called right now. What now? What, what now? What's happening? No, I'm kidding. What now is what it is, which means what do you do after this decision? Could there be a better class for you? What's the next, what's the next step? Oh, do I got to dress up in suits? Do I got to do all? No, no, no. What now? What's the next step after being born again? Here's the, here's the, I want you to remember. Why are you going to heaven? Because you trusted Jesus' directions to be born again. That's why. Not because you're at Times Square Church. Because you trusted your life to Jesus. He is forgiven of your sins. And what I want to tell you this, you can imagine now. Because that day, God goes, you're my son. You're my daughter. Can we just do I want to ask you to do this. Greg, can we sing this one more time before pastor comes? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is going to be maybe a little bit new to you. Maybe just lift your hand just a little bit. Just kind of like, like this. This may, be, this may be new for you. You can even keep your eyes open. It doesn't mean you have to close your eyes. You can have to, some of you can, here, here's what happens. Some of you can keep your hands up and even read the screen at the same time because you don't know the words to this. But this is now you saying, I can't imagine what's going to happen on that day.